Welcome to Indie Comics, everybody. I am your fearless host, Maddie. And today I've got a very special treat for you. We've got Tyler back. Hi, um, I'm here. <laughs> it's Tyler, everybody. I said treat, but I meant, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Halloween is over. No the chance. trick. Um, but we've actually got a really incredible guest today. We're so excited to have Alejandro Arbana. Did I pronounce it right? Arbona? Arbana? Um, yeah. I'm, I'm very white. I'm not good with Spanish. I speak French. <laughs> Um, what, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, first of all, thank you for having me on. Um, <laughs> I mean, just to tell you briefly, I, you know, I've been a comic book editor for something like 15 years and I still yeah. work as an editor, uh, freelance even now. But then also in the past, uh, year or two, I've, I've been doing more comic book writing, which of course leads us to why you invited me on, which is to talk about uh, Dr. Gamoro, the miniseries Absolutely. I just wrote for Valiant. Yeah. I, um, oh, sorry. I, I, no, I'm I'm sorry. I, I've been actually really excited about this uh, because I remember getting uh, a press email regarding this, and of course, seeing you. I'm so excited to hear more about this. And uh, yeah, I'm gonna let Maddie, the host, talk because I forgot <laughs> I'm not the host of this podcast. Go ahead, Maddie. Wow. Um. Really, I, I'd love to kind of start at the beginning. Um, you got into editing. How did that begin for you? How did you go from, you know, not being in the comics world into the editing world? Um, how to break into comics? Well, <laughs> I often joke with people that it's uh, uh, the way that I broke into comics is actually not a way that anybody should uh, <laughs> should try. But that's just the difference between being an outsider and being an, an insider. When you're an outsider, anything you can do that will get you noticed is good and clever and great. Yeah. But for me, it started by cold emailing a bunch of people at Marvel and DC. And then having been a Marvel editor after that, uh, my attitude was, don't do that. Don't do that to us. But I guess <laughs> the difference is do it if, uh, do it if it works. Do it. So yeah, yeah what happened was um, I had gone to, I went to film school and had recently graduated and I was sort of, um, kicking around and working a little bit freelance and a little bit in different movie related jobs or media related jobs. And I was doing a little bit of magazine copy editing and writing. I um, had this idea that because I had grown up reading comics and I loved them so much, I thought it would be really fun to work in comics. Of course, I didn't know anything about the industry or how to go about doing that. And at that time I hadn't even been reading comics for a few years since I had gone to college. I did this, uh, I, I figured out a way to cold email some people at Marvel and DC and I just started doing that, which is <laughs> perhaps, you know, like ill-advised from the, from the inside. But the fact that, it, that, you know, I wrote them like a, basically a smart, casual sort of cover letter type thing that wasn't banging or annoying or or anything. It was just sort of like, hey, I went to film school. I really love what you do. And... I'd like to pursue a career in it and I would appreciate any advice and that kind of thing. And it actually got a, got a really good response. I emailed it to Dan DiDio and to Joe Quesada and to Mike Mart and to uh, Dan Buckley at DC and at Marvel. And all of them, all of them got back to me. Everybody like within the day, they were all like, yeah, great. I would love to talk to you. So they had me come in for meetings and all of that. Now I was at a time when there were no job openings. So it's not like I got hired right off the bat. Um, ironically, no, but, yeah, happened. but you, you got noticed, which is awesome. And myself on their radar. Um, ironically though, what ended up happening is that it, I hadn't read comics in so long that I figured, oh, I need to catch up on what's been going on in the stories and everything. 
So I started buying some comics and I started buying some uh, Wizard Magazine, which I hadn't read since high school. And of course in Wizard Magazine, they had, uh, you know, like, hey, we're hiring, uh, email us here. So I emailed them and they hired me. And that was then <laughs> after, after, my, after taking a run at Marvel and DC, I just basically ended up applying at Wizard and they hired me. And so I was uh, an editor and writer at Wizard for about two years until I was able to segue over to Marvel and started my editorial career there. Yeah, and your, your career there is absolutely phenomenal. I'm scrolling through it again, and it's just it, it, it's it's amazing how how like how awesome of a story of like you just you know letting them know, hey, I'm I'm here, and I, I I like your stuff. I like to be a part, and then like having such a great, awesome like list of care of, of beloved characters that that are like loved today and that are so influential. I like I like to I like to. When people ask me for advice on on breaking in and that kind of thing, I like to tell them the story um, mainly as an object lesson in like it's really great to uh, how to phrase this when when you are uh, an executive of some kind or a creative of some kind and somebody who is an aspirant comes to you and asks for advice or asks for entree into this world. That kind of thing can be very welcome and very uh, positive, or it could be very off-putting and negative. And the difference is all in the approach. And, you know, everybody likes to, everybody who's in a position of some kind of authority like that, likes, welcomes the opportunity to mentor people and to bring people in, because that's, that's just how the industry works. Like, you, you are always on the lookout for people. Um, and... I, I don't say this to discourage anyone from trying things like that, but like, you know, if you want to work somewhere, try taking a run at them. Uh, it's just a matter of doing it in a way that is intelligent and, you know, kind of like conversational and casual, not in a way Because of course, now that we have social media, it's so easy. I mean, that wasn't really a factor back then. I'm talking about like 15 years ago much of a factor now you could communicate directly with virtually anyone in in your industry that leads to a lot of like hey jackass what the you know like what the hell are you guys doing over there and that kind of thing is, <laughs> is never 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 appreciated never welcome yeah i mean it'll, it'll probably get you a, a nice uh a nice letter that's a cease and desist i'm just kidding <laughs> but i mean mistake like if you if you're on social media with your with your real name and you are constantly posting har harassing um, people yeah. and everything we, like people remember that they'll yeah. remember your name and and you'll end up being like persona non grata well and also just understanding that people are creating art and whether you like it or not you know go write a review online but going to the actual creator and saying i hated this is so unhelpful <laughs> like nobody needs that in their life like yeah. you can keep it to yourself talk to your friends about it great good night exactly um, but you you were an editor for quite a while what kind of bridged that gap into writing how did you make that first leap um i always wanted to be a writer um right off the bat but you know we live under capitalism i can't afford to simply write and not work <laughs> Um, so yeah. I always had to, I always had to work. Um, so I valued the opportunity to have a day job that would still be creative and connected in some way to the things I wanted to do. Um, and of course, once I started editing, I discovered that I really loved it 
as well. It's it's a creative endeavor unto itself in a way separate from writing and different from writing. So I started doing that and I really enjoyed it and it was creatively very fulfilling. Uh, and so I focused on that for a long time. I still wanted to write, but I was basically enjoying what I was doing and pursuing that career. And then over the past few years, um, between sort of like career changes and getting to a kind of age where I was like trying to create other, you know, not not leave my existing career, but branch out into other areas of creative expression, I, I really wanted to get back into writing and to start to build more of a career out of that as well. I've gotten to the point now where I'm doing, you know, I still do primarily editorial for my for my day job, for my living. And I'm usually writing uh, a number of things on the side and sometimes for myself and sometimes things that I'm selling or that I'm being paid for. But for the time being, this is, this is you know, this is the, the phase of my career that I want to be in for now, for the foreseeable future, which is uh, a good chunk of editing work and then writing and published and things like that side by side. Absolutely. Um, I, I would love to, you know, now like uh, dive into what Dr. Tomorrow is. I mean, I've, I've loved Dr. Tomorrow for years. Uh, I'm also a big fan of Mark Wade. Uh, and so, you know, we, we have this amazing creator. Uh, oh my God. I'm trying to remember when he was created. I would say 99, 98, but, uh, by, yeah, by Mark Wade and, uh, uh Brian, Brian Augustine, I think is the other creator. Um, this has been a great, really great good, but yeah, uh, I, I might be wrong about this. Um, you would think that I would be well-versed in this. I might be wrong, but I don't it's think totally they I don't think they actually created Dr. Tomorrow. I, I think um, oh. Operation uh, 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 Operation Stormbreaker that Mark Wade and Brian Augustine wrote, that Doug Braithwaite yeah. drew, that came out first, and then the Dr. Tomorrow miniseries written by Bob Layton came out after. Oh, okay. The, but the Bob Layton Dr. Tomorrow was already being written and drawn. Huh. That was already underway, and then they... Um, created the the you know world war ii era team and everything essentially yeah. created it around dr tomorrow to tease this character that was coming up later so in <laughs> fact uh, like i said i could be mistaken about that but i'm pretty sure it's bob layton and the other and the other artists i mean that would make sense the man ha that that guy has done so much at valiant like it's it's crazy i mean look everything he's done like with bloodshot so like, yeah my source for saying that is that is um, I should have double checked this, but if I remember correctly, in the back of of Operation Stormbreaker, I believe there's a sort of an editorial column that explains all of that. Oh, nice! Is that that the Doctor Tomorrow comic was already underway, and then they built another sort of special event one shot. Um, yeah, to to kind to of introduce. That's awesome. What? How did you get attached to this project with Valiant? I had been an editor at Valiant um, from 2013 to 2016. Uh, and so during those years, you know, there was always a constant development um, process. We were always in which characters to reboot next and talking about different approaches and having creative summits and talking about ideas. And even back then, Dr. Tomorrow was a character that we wanted to bring back 
Basically, we were trying to hew closely to the original concept uh, as written by Bob Layton, where there would be some element of time travel involved, hmm. some element of a box of technology coming back from the future. And we kept trying to, to kind of find a different spin on that story. And it was so difficult because we didn't want to just retell the same story because that would have been boring. But we couldn't just uh, change, we couldn't just tweak the premise and let it unfold some different way because it was time travel cause and effect would it would just all fall apart and yeah. the thing we came up with was like like either conflicting with other time travel stuff that we were already doing like Ivar time walker or it would simply not work because oh well when you change the past then the you know creates a loop of causality all this you know we 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 kept uh hitting our heads against this wall after a few attempts at, at developing an idea, it just it just kind of didn't go anywhere, and we and we set it aside to try again another day. Uh, some time passed, and I ended up leaving Valiant, and I was uh, trying to trying to uh, do some writing back then. And uh, when I left Valiant, they they knew that I was hoping to write, so they invited me to pitch them on whatever you know anything in the foreseeable in the future, whatever I want to try. So for a little while, I was pitching to them. And then coincidentally, one day they said, you know, we're trying Dr. Tomorrow again. Uh, do you have any ideas? And so remembering that, remembering that thwarted development project, remembering what didn't work, I sort of knew what, what pitfalls to avoid. And I got this idea that was completely out of left field. Um, yeah. Uh, sort, of, sort of thematically related in some ways, but also completely different at the same time. Pitch them that like very informally, just a brief two sentence idea. And I did, and we started to develop it. We started to write it up, and it and it panned out. And here we are today. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, I I also like kind of noticed that you also dabbled into a lot of books that have to do with like history. So like the Awesome Mind series, which was interesting. What was kind of like a uh, was that just kind of more of an outlet to be like of different creative outlet? Different creative outlet. That was just a different opportunity that happened to come along. Um, you're referring to a book. Um, I wrote a nonfiction history book for kids called Awesome Minds Video Game Creators, um, which is prose, not not comics. But it was that actually came about as as yeah. an offshoot of my editorial work because I had been talking with this book publisher. And we were doing some freelance editing jobs. I also edited some other books for them. And they wanted to assign me this book to edit about the history of video games. And when I was talking on the phone with the publisher, he said, uh, this isn't really a topic that I'm familiar with. I really don't know anything about it. Is this something that you're, that you're interested in? And it just, I mean, we hadn't had any conversations about this before. I hadn't researched it, but I happen to really love the history of video games. So as yeah. soon as he asked, oh, is this a, it's something you know anything about? I was immediately like, oh my God, absolutely. The, you know, and I just started telling him, and just like, I spoke for a minute or two about like, you know, what's interesting about the creation of Nintendo and blah, blah, blah. And Some things are just meant to be. <laughs> then I was only supposed to be the editor of that book. And after I, I just basically ranted at him for two minutes. And when I finished, he said, do you want to, do you want to write this book? <laughs> and I was like, "Oh my god, absolutely!" Yeah, I mean, so they gave me that. They gave me that shot, and it was super, super fun to research and write a book about yeah. the history of video games. I really loved it. 
And then after that, um, I pitched them on basically a similar book, but with comic book creators. Ended up doing that book as well a year later. By like 20, 21 biographies of certain creators throughout the history of comics. It's not comprehensive, but it's you know, I picked people very specifically to represent different aspects in the in the history of the uh, of our absolutely. Media. And, and definitely and targeted for kids as well. I, I guess like um, kind of going more into this b- because the book is full of awesome art by Chelsea uh, O'Mara Holman. Uh, was this also kind of maybe a way of also telling like a different kind of storytelling and utilizing it for comic books that maybe could be helpful for creators, you know, maybe along the way? Because a lot of the a lot of our listeners in the show are people who do create who are trying to get, break into comic books. So is this kind of maybe an avenue that you would suggest as well? Well, the th- the funny thing about breaking into comics is that there is no there is no set way to break in. So yeah. there's no there's no like this is what you should do, and there's also no every single person who works in comics could probably tell you a totally totally different story. Yeah. I mean, there are people working in comics today who came in from from video game design or who came in from architecture. You know, there are writers who were novelists and playwrights before writing comics. And there are people who are all they've ever written. And then there are people like me, maybe who went to film school or studied screenwriting. And there are a ton of people who are self-taught. And ultimately what it comes down to is the best avenue to, 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 to break in is simply any kind of work that you can show people, just any kind of work that you can, that you can indicate, look, this is, Here's work that I've completed on deadline professionally. Uh, it's it's been published. In, in fact, even that applies even if it's self-published. The the easiest way to break into the field is simply to have work to show, even if it's work that you've done for yourself. Anything that'll minimize the risk of a publisher uh, thinking that they're basically taking a flyer on an un, unproven, untested quantity. Whether that should be comic or you know picture books for kids or any kind of thing like that good work will always be noticed definitely and i know that we get a lot of that um just you know what's the best way to become a creator is to start creating (laughs) um and and making that content however you can um and we kind of talked about art a little bit in your other book um jim tau toe (laughs) um does an awesome job i think it's pronounced toe i think it's toe but i'm not sure (laughs) okay that makes me feel a little bit better (laughs) You in comics and you and you all of your correspondence with everyone is over email. And sometimes right. you can go years without ever meeting someone or knowing how to pronounce their name. I've actually never met Jim in person. Oh wow. That's crazy. Um but he does an awesome job with the art in here. It's really colorful, um, really dynamic. Um yeah. this is a really cool book. Um what are you hoping that people kind of get out of Doctor Tomorrow? Um it's a five also for our listeners, it's a five issue uh limited series. We actually have the trade paperback coming out on December 2nd. So check it out at your local comic book shop. Um, and we'll talk more about that later. But uh, yeah, what's your kind of goal for this run? I want to avoid, for people that haven't read it yet, I want to avoid big spoilers. But I, I will cautiously wade in and say, um, what I wanted to do with this comic was to have a kind of really unexpected story unfold uh you know the first couple of issues i think give you indication that the story is going to go one way and then through 
you know, halfway through and later it veers very sharply in a way that hopefully the reader didn't expect, but at the same time really kind of makes sense and you actually saw coming in hindsight. That's basically a story about, uh, sort of about growing up. It's sort of a story about maturity. It's a story about kind of responsible decision making. I'm making it sound super exciting, I know. Um, <laughs> Ultimately, the thing I wanted to get at is that, um, you know, I love the Valiant Universe because the characters are very morally nuanced and mm. very human in that way. But at the same time, it's a it's a universe where most of the characters are not entirely heroic or not entirely villainous. Uh, there's a lot of gray, moral, moral gray area. So I wanted to kind of get at something where you take a character who starts out that way um, character who could be morally gray or even outright villainous show the kind of the decision making process of how they end up being a really really uplifting aspirational kind of superhero in other words i wanted to i wanted to aspire to characters like superman and, and captain america who are characters of tremendous tremendous power but who use it with a kind of selflessness and humility. And I wanted to tell a story that was about how does a character who has negative qualities in himself find the way to be humble and selfless in that way and, and to create a kind of a morally uplifting kind of aspirational good guy superhero. I, and at the I, same time, just a comic that would be really, really, really fun and that you know, I definitely wanted to have an ending that would be super cheerful, that people would feel good, that would have a, leave a big smile on your face when you were done reading the comic. That, I love that. I feel like we need more of that in the world, especially today. That's the highest thing I could aspire to, is that people would just be really happy when the comic is over. Yeah, and I feel like um, I uh, will admit I love to do a little Twitter stalking, um, if I can, with our guests. Um, and you have this great tweet kind of about Dr. Tomorrow where you say, um, I wrote a comic book trying to unpack the toxic boyish power fantasy of superheroes and get back to the humility and goodness of characters like Superman and Captain America. Um, and, and I'd love to like unpack that a little bit because I think you're really right about that toxic boyish power fantasy. And um, I don't know if you've seen the show. It's on Amazon Prime, but it's called The Boys, um, also based on an awesome comic. Um <laughs> And I feel like that comic and that um, show now are, are really kind of getting into the opposite end of that. But I love that you're giving us something that is kind of pure and good. And so often today we go the opposite direction and say, oh, this looks pure and good, but really it's awful. Um, and I love, you know, that's what Superman is about. And that's why I've always liked that character. Um, and it's nice to have an indie comic that, that deals with that. Thank you. I, I, there's a phrase that I think about a lot especially since I've been working on this comic, which is this uh, this idea that people cite sometimes, which is that the logical endpoint of superheroes is fascism. Mm. You know, mentality that if, that if you have this kind of tremendous power and you are taking it upon yourself to impose some kind of right uh, on the world, eventually you're just going to be pursuing your own, your own agenda, your own vision of right. And that it's a kind, you know, that it's a, that that's contrary to the operation of, proper society and so the idea is that no matter the logic behind this way of thinking is that no matter how good a superhero is eventually they are crossing some lines and they're you know being inherently fascistic but i don't 
subscribe to that notion. I mean, if you look at characters like, like I said before, like Superman and Captain America, there are characters who are created to be models of, of how you should wield power, you know, and they were specifically created during wartime by Jewish people, you know, specifically as heroes of the put upon underdog, you know, they were, yeah. they were meant to, they were meant to symbolize underdog given power, but still having the, the character that power responsibly in a selfless way. So what I was trying to, the idea that I was chasing with this isn't that the logical endpoint of superheroes is fascism. What I was trying to express is that the logical endpoint of, you know, perhaps a toxic power fantasy is fascism. Mm -hmm. So like if you aspire to be a, a superhero so that you can crush your enemies and win, <laughs> then you're a fascist. But if you want to be a superhero because there are people who are who are weak and don't have the power and don't have the resources, you can fight on their behalf. That is the furthest thing in the world from fashion. That is that you know that is true heroism, and that's what a what a superhero character really should you know really should be. Which of course they they aren't always. And I love the I love the boys. Um, I love the show especially because they capture that really well. Like those those. Yeah. I mean, look at Homelander. Homelander is such an incredible, like, distortion of Superman and Captain America into fascist. Yeah, I'm obsessed with that show because it takes it all the way to the fascist point while also then yeah. showing good characters who are really doing their best to be good um, despite the odds being they're, stacked against them. They're doing a great job um, being cynical about superheroes, but that is mm -hmm. not mutually exclusive in my mind. Yeah. You know, like, most of... most. Most of the people in the world, if they were to get superpowers, I'm sure would be very abusive with them. So that kind of uh, satire of superheroes or cynicism with superheroes is not off the mark, I, I don't think. You know, I really admire the way that they're basically satirizing the, the, the way that people wield power in the world in general. Just and that's the truth, right? Like, there's good people and bad people, period. And I think a lot of us are inherently selfish <laughs> um, and would, you know it's complicated. People are complicated, whether they're normal humans or whether they're superhumans. And I'm a big Lex Luthor fan as well. So I love both sides of it. Um, because, you know, what if someone was a Homelander and not a Superman? But I think something that we are missing in the world is the real Superman, the guy that is a good person and, and is going to do the right thing and, and can inspire us all to try to do the right thing. And so I appreciate so much you putting that out into the world um, at a time like this, especially when I think most of us are cynical and are kind of looking for the worst. Um, so it's, it's nice to have some optimism and hope and, uh, truth and justice in the world, right? It kind of speaks, I think, to two different, using superheroes as two different, uh, symbols, um, yeah. to oversimplify things. You know, you can, you can create superhero characters the way the boys does, where they're meant to reflect, uh, exaggerated versions of the ways that people in the real world behave when they, when they get too much power. Or you yeah. could use superheroes in the way that Superman traditionally represents, which is as an as a model of what our behavior should be like. You know, the, a model of what we should aspire to. Um, and so, yeah, to your point, that's exactly it. I was trying to. I, there's a lot of cynicism. There's a lot of cynicism and negativity right now. We're certainly all wallowing in it. Yeah. I just wanted to kind of draw a little contrast to that and show. Uh, show the ways that we can all be kind of happier and more responsible with our decisions. 
Absolutely. It's about tomorrow. And I think um, I'm so grateful for your awesome work. Uh, I really encourage everybody to pick up Dr. Tomorrow, trade paperback out on December 2nd. That's coming up soon. Um, Alejandro, what else can we expect from you? What should we be keeping an eye out for? Oh my God. I, I'm actually writing, um, I'm working on a couple of different writing things right now, but they're, they haven't been announced. So I can't, okay. <laughs> I can't talk about, I can't talk about that, but, um, so we'll have you back on in a little bit, <laughs> but so, you know, editorially speaking, as you know, I, I work with, um, or I assume, you know, maybe you don't, I, I, you know, I work with, um, Greg Rucka and all of his collaborators on several comics and we, up for some good exciting new stuff with the comic book the old guard which was just recently a movie yes and that's actually something where see me doing a little bit of writing in the near future but i can't talk that's about exciting it. I, hopefully in a few hopefully next month there'll be some news <laughs> that's awesome well we will definitely look out for it yeah i'm excited where, where can we find you online I'm on Twitter. Thank you. I'm on Twitter uh, at Alejandro Bot, which is my first name with B-O-T at the end, like Alejandro. <laughs> and I'm on Instagram at Arbona Mania. But that's I only recommend following me if you just want to see pictures of my dog, because that's mostly what I post on there. Very high quality content. <laughs> Instant follow. <laughs> well, Perfect. Thank you so much for joining us. Dr. Tomorrow is awesome. So excited to see you writing more and more. Uh, excited to hear more about the old guard and everything else coming down the pipeline from you. Thank you for joining us. And thank you, loyal listeners, for tuning in. You can check out our other podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and all podcast apps. We're everywhere. You can also check out our website, thegrandgeekgathering.com, for articles, videos, and more. Please also remember to rate, review, and subscribe. Let us know if you love Dr. Tomorrow. Let us know if you're picking up the trade paperback. Uh, tell us if you love the boys. I'm all about it. Can't wait for season three. Um, tell us what you think of the podcast. Uh, you can stay updated on our Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and we stream on Twitch and Let's Play. Tyler is on there all the time, so check it out. The intro is provided by Carlisle Laurent. And you can buy Dr. Tomorrow from your local bookshop. Uh, you can also go to valiantentertainment.com for more information uh, and a really handy little tool that helps you find your local comic book shop. Uh, so don't miss it. December 2nd, trade paperback. No excuses. Go get it. And come and join the gathering. Have a great week. And GGG. Grand Geek Gathering.